Folks, what does everyone do when shopping online? Well, you jump to the reviews and you see what customers actually think. Well, Bull and Branch did the hard work for you. In a recent customer survey, 96% said Bull and Branch sheets get softer with every single wash. Bull and Branch sheets are made from the finest 100% organic cotton threads on planet Earth. Buttery to the touch, super breathable. Bull and Branch sheets are perfect for both cooler and warmer months. Their luxurious signature hem sheets were made without pesticides, formaldehyde, or other harsh chemicals. They really do get softer with every single wash. Best of all, Bull and Branch gives you a 30-night risk-free trial with free shipping. Returns on all orders. You're not going to want to return them. We love our Bull & Branch product. In fact, when I'm on the road, I actually travel with their cable knit throw blanket. It is that good. Their product is just awesome. After a long day, nothing feels better than a restful night's sleep in the softest, most luxurious sheets. Sleep better at night with the softest sheets from Bull & Branch. Get 15% off your very first order when you use code BEN at bullandbranch.com. That's Bull & Branch, spelled B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com. Promo code BEN. Exclusions apply. See site for details, bullandbranch.com. California shuts down again. Governor Andrew Cuomo makes a fool of himself over a weird poster. And virtue signaling on racial issues continues to matter more than saving lives. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. The Ben Shapiro Show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Why haven't you gotten a VPN yet? You should have. Visit expressvpn.com slash Ben. Okay, so we begin at this hour with your latest COVID-19 update. So the continued increase in caseload is indeed continuing. We are seeing an increased caseload in places like California, in places like Florida. We're seeing increased test positives. But there is a simple reality, which is that we are not seeing this thing spike the way that it did in New York. In New York, the curve looked extremely steep on one end, and then it came down extremely steeply on the other end of the curve. The reason for that is because it burned through the entire city. In fact, there are precincts in New York where some 50 to 60% of all the people in these particular precincts already have antibodies. So that is the reason why you have seen this thing come down so quickly. It's not because of masterful leadership in New York and crappy leadership elsewhere. In fact, it's precisely the reverse. It is decent leadership elsewhere in a variety of different parties, right? From Colorado to Georgia, and then the crappy leadership over in New York City. So what most of these states have done is indeed flatten the curve. In fact, there is a doctor from the University of Southern Florida who was talking about this on CNN yesterday, talking about the the issues over in in Florida with regard to the increased caseload. And he pointed out that this is a different epidemic than hit New York. In fact, he pointed out that Florida's emergency department visits from COVID actually peaked last week and the test positive rate actually peaked last week. So when you look at all of the headlines coming out of Florida, it's doom, disaster about to hit Florida. Listen, things are not going to be great in Florida for a couple of weeks because death as always, is a lagging indicator. But the idea that they're going to see Florida-type numbers, that is so far unsupportable by the data. The only people who have seen New York-type numbers are the New Yorkers. And the reason they saw New York-type numbers is because Andrew Cuomo decided to do all the things wrong. He shut down late. When he did shut down, he didn't clean any of the subways. When he did shut down, he then proceeded to ship all of the COVID-positive nursing home patients back into the nursing homes. And there are some people out there who are literally attempting to pretend that Andrew Cuomo did a wonderful job here. I mean, I'm, I'm not kidding about this. There are a bunch of people on the left who keep saying this. Andy Slavitt, the former Obama-era official from, I believe, the, the FDA under Obama. Andy Slavitt actually tweeted out that New York had done an incredible, incredible job. Why? Well, because Cuomo, he actually talked to the people. He talked to the, you know who else thinks he did a wonderful job is Andrew Cuomo himself. And so I have to begin today with this insane poster that Andrew Cuomo put out. Now, imagine if President Trump put out a poster showing the curve for COVID in the United States, the number of COVID deaths in the United States, which has declined by some 30 to 40% in the United States over the period of time, actually more than that, about 60% since the height of COVID. Okay, imagine that Trump had put out a poster championing himself 
championing his own performance during COVID-19. That's exactly what Andrew Cuomo did. And we are being told that this guy is the epitome of American leadership. And so I need to talk to you about this poster for a second because it's totally insane. I mean, it's totally bat bleep loony. So Cuomo put out on the official New York website for sale, New York tough posters, smart, united, disciplined, loving. And this is the statement he put out, quote, I love history. I love poster art. Poster art is something they did in the early 1900s, late 1800s, when they had to communicate their whole platform on one piece of paper. Over the past few years, I've done my own posters that capture that feeling. I did a new one for what we went through with COVID. And I think the general shape is familiar to you. We went up the mountain, we curved the mountain, we came down the other side, and these are little telltale signs that, to me, represent what was going on. Okay, first of all, if you take this mountain and you map it directly onto the charts of what we're supposed to avoid with our COVID treatments, it maps exactly. Like, literally, you could take this curve and you could actually plant it. I remember there was the, the very famous bend the curve, you know, lower the curve chart, the flatten the curve chart. And the flatten the curve chart looked like one big curve that spiked up real high and then came down really quickly, but it spiked above the line. And then there was the good curve chart, right? And the good curve chart grew kind of slowly and then it sort of peaked and then it sort of receded. Well, the problem is that Andrew Cuomo's mountain looks exactly, exactly like the bad curve, like exactly like the bad curve. This is the, this is the most insane, it's, it's the most insane poster I've ever seen in my entire life. It's totally crazy. It says on the top, wake up, America, forget the politics, get smart, Governor Andrew Cuomo. And then there's a rainbow across the top that says love wins. So apparently it's a gay rights poster or something. Like it, I mean, that's what it's reminiscent of, right? I mean, that's the love is love rainbow, right? What, it, love wins? 35,000 people died in your state, dude. What, what, what? Okay, and then it shows on the, on the left-hand side of the poster, it shows a plane and it says Europeans, 3 million January to March, COVID-19 on a plane, right? And then it shows a face. It says, winds of fear, winds of fear. And then there's a, a rope that, that's being pulled by New Yorkers of all types. The New Yorkers, healthcare workers, essential workers. And it's being pulled over the mountain. It says, pulling down the curve together, the power of we. Up in the sky, by the way, is hanging a weird emblazoned sun as well as a moon upon which is sitting President Trump, saying it's just the flu. And then there's an arrow pointing nearly straight up that says projection models. But they defeated the projection models. No, you didn't defeat the projection models. This is exactly what the models look like. Exactly. Exactly what they look like. And then it just has a series of various sort of things that were done. Right? It's got a picture of the daily briefing. And then it says, make hand sanitizer. Ooh, because remember they made hand sanitizer? You can memorialize the crappiest time in modern New York history with this poster. You can put it right on your wall. And you can remember each and every day how New York was just a trash heap where the sirens were going 24 hours a day and everybody was locked in their home. And you can celebrate along with Andrew Cuomo. All you have to do is drop a few bucks to the state of New York. I mean, this is patently insane. It's totally crazy. Like, it's wild. This is like, honest to God, it's like a Stalin poster in the middle of the Holodomor. Right? It's, it's like, we starved Ukraine, also, breadbasket of the world. Right? Like, what? What? In the, what? Okay, so it says, make hand sanitizer. New Rochelle hotspot. There's like a picture of little fire. And then, New York pause, shut down. Sorry, we're closed. Testing, tracing, and there's an actual nostril with a, with a swab going up the nose. Hospital, surge and flex. Javits Center, economy falls. And you can see a river going down. 111 days of hell. And then it says, New York State leads again. Okay, got, no, this is, this is bad, guys. This is real bad. It didn't go well. Do you not remember that it, it didn't go well? Now, 
even the chart, what's hilarious about this is even his little timeline shows that he did a crappy job. Like, because not only does the thing peak really steeply and then start to fall because it burned through the entire city. Also, it shows that it shows them masking up only at the peak, right? That's what it says, mask up at the peak. And then phase one, socially distanced, after the peak. And then it says, follow the data. Boyfriend Cliff. I have no idea what Boyfriend Cliff is supposed to be. It, it, it says Boyfriend Cliff. I, I, don't, I don't know what that is. Apparently, and then there's like an actual guy hanging from a cliff. I, I don't understand. And then at the very end, it says, follow the facts. Stay smart. Caution ahead. And then underneath, it says, the sea of division. Okay, th- it's just nuts. The man's a nut. I'm sorry, New Yorkers. You elected a nut. And you deserve it because you elected him. And he's got like an 80% approval rating in your, in your unbelievably insane state. What in the actual F? This is your governor. This is your governor. Well done, everyone. It's good that you have such artistic souls, Andrew Cuomo, leading you through these turbulent, turbulent times. By the way, Andrew Cuomo is making a cottage industry out of just lecturing everyone. He's seriously lecturing everyone. He's lecturing DeSantis, who's responsible for a number of deaths that is, I believe, one-ninth the number of deaths that New York has seen on a case per million level, on a, on a deaths per million level. New York is like something like eight to nine times as high as Florida, and you've got DeSantis being lectured by Andrew Cuomo. You got Andrew Cuomo lecturing people on how masks work. Dude, it wasn't the masks that quote unquote saved New York. What happened is that everyone died. Okay, that, that is the actual answer as to what happened in New York, is that it burned through your entire city. By the way, New York is now suggesting they're going to track visitors. They're going to fine you if you don't provide your contact information when you enter the state of New York. Now, I'm old enough to remember when other states did this to New York, and Andrew Cuomo said that it was a violation of the Constitution. Remember this? Florida said, if you come in from New York, we're going to check you. And and Cuomo was like, you can't do that. Privileges and immunities clause. You need to let everybody in. And now he's doing precisely the opposite to everybody else. I mean, he's just awful. He's just awful. But the media's narrative about Cuomo is that he's doing an incredible job. That uh, it, it's, it's astounding to me how open and obvious the media have become in their bias. I mean, to, to the point where they're openly lying at, at this point. And they, they were lying before about Cuomo's performance. But now they're just clearly lying. Because we can all see the mountain right in front of us. He turned the mountain into a painting. He turned the mountain of death into a painting you can put on your wall. It, it, honestly, it reminds me of nothing so much as the scene from Winnie the Pooh, where Winnie the Pooh gets his ass stuck in Rabbit's house, and Rabbit, deciding he can't do anything about the fact that Winnie the Pooh is now stuck there and wedged in and cannot get out, decides that he's going to make antlers out of Winnie the Pooh's ass. Right? He actually like paints a face on it, and he puts antlers on it, and he puts like, a little mantle below it because <laughs> he's going to turn what is a bad situation into a work of art. And that's Andrew Cuomo right here. He's got like a pile of dead bodies. Like, you know what? I'm making a poster, guys, and you can hang that poster on your wall. What? 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 As you'll see, the artistic soul in New York is not dead. In fact, it has infused all of New York politics. Wait until we get to Bill de Blasio and race in a little bit because he too loves to paint. These guys love to paint. I have a line here I cannot use, but they, they, they love, it has to do with the producers. So if you can think of a, producer, a producer's line about painting, then you'll know where I'm going. If not, tough, deal with it. In any case, we'll get to more of this in a second. Plus, we'll get to California shutting down again. Now, I think that the lockdowns have become sort of a crutch for people who don't actually want to make tough public policy decisions. Lockdowns are just a way for you to say to the media, I'm doing everything I can. Please leave me alone. Please stop this. Because you won't get criticized if you lock everything down, all the things in the world. But you will get criticized if you try and bull your way through this thing and recognize that there are risks and rewards to shutting down. So if you're, if you're a governor, given the media coverage right now, the best thing you can do for your own political profile is to shut everything down. That's what Gavin Newsom is doing in California. 
my garbage state. We'll get to that in just one second. First, let's talk about the fact that cell phone bills are one of those things that never go down. People just get used to that. Well, you shouldn't really be used to that. By switching to Pure Talk USA, you can cut costs and free up cash on a monthly basis, starting with your wireless provider. Pure Talk covers 99% of Americans. The president and CEO of Pure Talk is a U.S. veteran who cares deeply about serving Americans by making wireless affordable. So start your saving today. It'd be weird to save, not to save money on your cell phone bill when you absolutely can. Dial pound 250, say keyword Ben Shapiro for unlimited talk, unlimited text, two gigs of data for just 20 bucks a month. Plus, you'll get 50% off your first month. Stop paying too much to big wireless providers. Switch to Pure Talk today. Save 50% off your first month. Dial pound 250 and say the keyword Ben Shapiro. Pure Talk USA, simply smarter wireless. Go check them out right now. Pure Talk USA, that is simply smarter wireless. Again, you should save money on your cell phone bill if you possibly can. And this is why you need Pure Talk. You really don't need that unlimited data the way that you are looking at it right now. Instead, what you need is exactly what Pure Talk provides you. Dial pound 250, say keyword Ben Shapiro for unlimited talk, unlimited text, two gigs of data for just 20 bucks a month. Dial pound 250, say keyword Ben Shapiro. Okay, so Gavin Newsom has shut down the entire state of California again, again. And remember, Gavin Newsom has basically escaped scrutiny thus far, even though he had a spike at the exact same time as Florida and Texas. He's escaped scrutiny because he didn't actually open anything up. I mean, I'm from LA, nothing actually opened. Right? All the things are actually closed. But we're now going to close everything back down. Now, here's the thing. The only reason to lock things down at this point, seriously, is because you think that the healthcare system is going to be overwhelmed. I've seen no indicators that the state of California is on the verge of being overwhelmed. Like that, 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 For some reason, the, the, the language of flatten the curve was shifted from we're flattening the curve to avoid overwhelming the system to we're trying to crush the curve so that nobody ever gets COVID again. And that is not a reality in our current situation. We have millions and millions, maybe up to 20 million Americans who have this thing. I mean, those are the CDC estimates. They say that for every positive test, there are probably 10 people who already have it, who don't know about it, which would put us at like 23 million at this point. So if that's the case, there's community spread, shutting this thing down for a prolonged period of time, all that's going to do is stop it in the moment. But the minute you open up again at all, there's going to be increased caseload. Now, again, the good news is that we're treating this thing a lot better. We have a bunch of different drugs that we have been using. We've come up with new techniques. The, the fatality rate, the, the case fatality rate on this thing has dropped like a stone, particularly in hospitals. In Florida, for example, the case fatality rate is now down below 1%. In New York, it was up near 5% during the peak, which is really, really high, obviously. Well, in California, California is experiencing a surge. The surge has not reflected itself in mass death. Okay, so California doesn't look great. I mean, I'm not going to pretend that California... Has, has not experienced an uptick. Of course, it has experienced an uptick and it has experienced an uptick in death. As of the latest statistics in California, California was leading the way in terms of new deaths. So total deaths yesterday, there, there were approximately 45 new deaths yesterday. Uh, that, that would have been Sunday in terms of the reporting in California. In, in, terms of the, in terms of the daily deaths, they really escalated last week Last week, there were, by day, 118, 150, 137, 102. On Friday, there were 74. So those numbers are a lot higher than they had been, but they are nothing like New York numbers. Remember, the population of California is extraordinarily high. The population of the state of California is, what, 30 million? 35 million? I believe it's 35 million. Sorry, 39 million. It's 40 million people live in the state of California. So there are 150 deaths at the peak in California then they may have already crossed the peak and moved back down the other side, right? We don't know yet. So we're still watching that. The idea that you're going to shut down the entire state of California, which is exactly what Gavin Newsom is doing, 
I don't know how that looks like commonsensical policy, particularly because he's not just closing places that are like the highest risk. He's closing everything. I understand closing back down, for example, indoor dining at restaurants. Right. I've been dining whenever I dine out, I've been dining out like outside, right? Which I've been recommending for a long time is that restaurants should be able to use city streets in order to allow people to eat outside. But he's not just doing that. He's shutting down all the things. He's shutting down all gyms, all places of worship, all malls, all personal care services, all barbershops, all salons, and non-critical offices in counties on the state's monitoring list. They all have to shut down. 30 counties are placed under the new lockdown order. That's 80% of the state's population. Gavin Newsom explained. He explained why he was shutting all of this down. Here he was yesterday. We are now effectively, uh, rather effective today, requiring all counties to close their indoor act. Activities, their indoor operations uh, in the following sectors, restaurants, wineries, tasting rooms, movie theaters, family entertainment centers, zoos and museums, card rooms, uh, and uh, the shuttering of all bars. This is in every county in the state of California, uh, not just the counties that were on the monitoring list uh, that we announced on July 1st. Okay, so that's for everyone. That's just not the, that's not just the monitoring list. That's everywhere. That's everywhere. Okay, let's be clear about this. L.A. never really opened except for the protests, right? The protests were the big opening. Everybody got COVID apparently from the protests. In fact, even Barbara Farrar, the L.A. County public health official, she said, oh yeah, by the way, it might've been the protests that sort of seeded this stuff again. California reported more than 320,000 cases of COVID-19 and 7,000 deaths total for a state of 39.5 million people. Again, remember, California has twice the population of the state of New York and they have approximately one quarter the number of deaths, less than one quarter the number of deaths thus far. Cuomo did a great job, though, just, just pointing out. Cuomo did an amazing job. On Sunday, 23 people died from the virus in California. According to the Center for Systems Science and Engineering at Johns Hopkins University, L.A. County leads the state with more than 133,000 cases. California has been on and off and on and off. Also, L.A. and San Diego have announced that they are going to keep the schools shut in the fall, which, again, there's very little data to support the idea that the schools must be shut down. We just don't know enough is the answer. Right? There's a lot of conflicting data. What we do know is that in Europe, most of the schools are already open and have been open for quite a while, and they have not seen a significant surge among the childhood population. There's some creative ways to deal with it, which, which we talked about yesterday. But the problem is all the political incentives right now are in favor of this binary because the media have drawn this binary. Right, They've been doing it since Georgia. They've been saying that if you are in a state where they have, quote unquote, reopened, that means everything is open. It means that people are willy nilly doing exactly what they want. It is not true. OK, it is not true. I've been in Florida for like a couple of weeks here and I've been going around. Every single person is wearing a mask. Everyone is masked up. Most businesses are still not open. Hey, if I want to take my kids somewhere, the only places I can take my kids are places that are outdoors, which I think is actually good. The idea that Florida is like wide open and therefore that Florida had it coming or the idea that California had wide opened itself, it's not true. Okay, California never really opened. California never went back to status quo ante. California was shut down this entire time, which suggests that really what has changed here at all is the weather and personal activity a little bit. And by the way, the idea that government lockdowns changed any of this is not true either. You can actually look at the statistics and you can see how people changed their travel and association habits as the virus began to gain all sorts of coverage in the media. People actually stopped traveling before this stuff started to happen. But remember, for politicians, because people tend to look at politicians as godlike figures who can fix everything, as opposed to like idiots who can ruin everything, which is pretty much all they can do, instead of that, People tend to look to their politicians as, well, if something bad happened, it's the politician's fault. In some cases, that's true. 
Like if you have an obvious thing you can point to, like shipping people with COVID back into nursing homes, that's a pretty obvious case of the politician fail. But if the question is, oh man, if, if these politicians only mandated masks, that would change everything. No, not really. Because the truth is that people who are cautious are putting on masks and have been doing so for quite a while. And people who are not cautious, it's going to be very difficult to regulate them into wearing masks. Just a simple fact of the matter. So much of this has become about virtue signaling, however, even with regard to the masks. Like there's, there's a, to the point where it's become basically just a point of trying to shame people. You don't take it seriously enough. If you're not wearing a mask 24 hours a day, the stupidest example of which there was a, a picture yesterday going around of our friend Ted Cruz, right? And T Ted Cruz was on a plane and somebody took a picture of him and they said, Ted Cruz not wearing a mask on a plane. He's literally holding up a cup of coffee. There's a picture of him one minute before and like one minute after with the mask on. But because he took down his mask to drink a cup of coffee, people were all over him because the idea is that you're denying that masks work. By the way, I love how masks work has become an absolute point of faith in America now. I'm old enough to remember when that was actually kind of a controversial contention because the CDC said so. The CDC itself told us we weren't supposed to wear masks. They literally said cloth masks are not going to do anything. Now they're like, oh yeah, cloth masks are going to do everything. And if you don't actually participate in the mask wearing, it's because you're evil. Now, listen, I've been saying for a long time on this show, you can go back and you can listen to it. I've been saying to it, I've been saying for months that when you are out and about, you should be wearing a mask when you're in close contact with other people. At the very least, you are preventing some of the droplets that exit your mouth from being ejected into the air. I've been saying this for a long time. So I'm not an anti-mask guy, but to pretend that the evidence for masks is like 100% solid, that we know full well what all the masks are going to do, or that, by the way, most of the people wearing masks know how to wear a mask is crazy. They literally have in medical school classes on how to, like they have a course that you're supposed to take and how to properly fit a mask. And we're talking about like the best masks. The ones that you get the surgical masks where you, they have holes up here, right? I mean, unless you have it like properly fitted to your face, the air is coming up out of there anyway. So you're cutting down on some of the, the communication of the germs, but not all of the communication of the germs. That doesn't mean you shouldn't wear it. But the, the idea that like you're an actor of great evil, if you are out in public at any point and you don't have the mask on your face, is, is purely crazy. It, it has become sort of a, a virtue signaling thing, not just an element of, of good science. And this is, uh, this is why, again, I've every step along the way, I think I'm one of the few people who can say this on the right. Every step along the way, when the experts changed their opinions, I also changed my opinion. Okay, every step along the way, when the experts said, don't wear a mask, I was like, okay, I guess we're not supposed to wear masks. Then the experts were like, wear masks. I was like, okay, sounds good. I guess we'll have to wear masks. Then the experts were like, you know what? We probably should shut down some of the indoor areas because lots of communication of these. I was like, okay, I, I get that. But now... Now that you've given us every message on every possible topic, I'm going to have to let common sense take over. And what common sense tells me, along with the science, is that children are not in great danger from this thing. So this idea that you're endangering vast scores of children by opening schools is insane. Common sense tells me that most Americans are pretty willing to stay away from each other unless they're dumb 20-year-olds who want to go to bars. In which case, okay, so you shut down the bars because you don't want the, the virus transmitted at high rates. But also, if 20-year-olds get it, they're probably not going to die because that's what the stats actually say. Right? That's what the science tells me. But don't tell me that science tells me you have to shut down entire cities again and that this is going to solve the problem in any serious way. I mean, this propagandistic effort to make a policy decision and then retcon it into, I'm just following the science, is pretty wild. Arne Duncan, the Secretary of Education under Barack Obama, he tried this routine yesterday. He said that anybody who advocates for opening the schools wants people to die, which is just crazy. Okay, over in Europe, they've had open schools for a very, very long time. And there's not a lot of evidence that those schools are centers of transmission. And there's also not a lot of evidence that kids are really getting hurt by this thing. In fact, you're more likely to die from the flu than you are to die 
from this if you are under the age of 20. Here's Aaron Duncan, however, propagandizing. The real travesty here, Brian, is that there is no body count high enough for the president to actually pay attention to science. We could lose another 10,000. We could lose another 50,000. We could lose another 100,000. Nothing would compel him to listen to Dr. Dr. Fauci and others who are actually fighting to try and save lives. And schools are not going to put teachers, principals, their children or their children's families in a position of risk that's far too high. Okay, well, some schools are going to do all of that because the data actually supports the idea that schools should open. The American Academy of Pediatrics says the schools should open. Dr. Robert Redfield at the CDC said the schools should reopen. But according to Arne Duncan, you're not following the science unless you listen to him. Okay, so this is all about, at this point, so much of this is about virtue signaling as opposed to actually following good common sense policymaking advice. And people don't want to have the arguments. They just label other people, you know, bad actors, malicious actors who don't care about human life. It's very irritating. Okay, we're going to get to more of this, especially on the issue of race, where the narrative has overwhelmed common sense in just one second. First, let's talk about something great that you can do for your parents. Okay, here's something great you can do for your parents, also for yourself, and that is you can preserve your family memories. Legacy Box. It's a super simple mail-in service to have all your home movies and pictures digitally preserved on a thumb drive, DVD, or the cloud. Don't let those priceless family memories disappear because that's what happens if you don't take action. Out in your garage right now. I know, you know, you've got a bunch of VHS tapes. You got a VCR? Nope. My kids don't even know what a VCR is. Out in that garage, you got a bunch of old photos. They're moldering. They're falling apart. The rats are getting at them. What should you do? You should instead have them preserved digitally. So Legacy Box helps you do this. It's a way for you to easily and affordably preserve your past. The process from start to finish is really easy. You pack and you send. Their team digitizes everything by hand, and then you enjoy. You get back perfectly preserved digital copies on thumb drive, DVD, or the cloud, ready to watch, share, and enjoy. Everything is digitized by hand at their secure eight-acre digitizing campus. These premier scanners and playback decks to ensure every memory is mastered to the highest quality. Get started future-proofing your memories today. Go to LegacyBox.com Shapiro. Get an incredible 40% off your first order. I've been doing this for my own parents. I think it's a really, really important thing to do. Buy today. Take advantage of the exclusive offer. Send in the materials when you're ready. Go to LegacyBox.com Shapiro. Save 40% while supplies last. That's LegacyBox.com Shapiro. 40% off. Okay, so... Meanwhile, the same sort of messaging is taking place on issues of race. It's not just on COVID. So on COVID, it's basically Democratic governors are geniuses and do all the right things, and lockdowns are the only solution, and you're a bad person if you ever, ever, ever take off the mask at any point whatsoever. Not that you reject the science of masks, because you can fully accept them. But if you are caught in an unconscious moment, taking down the mask, you're very bad, unless you're a Democrat marching with Black Lives Matter protesters, in which case you're very good, and no one will die, and everything is fine. So it seems that so much of this has to do with narrative and very little of it has to do with common sense at all. Lockdown, no lockdown. The bottom line is this thing is going to move its way through the population unless there is a vaccine. There are going to be therapeutic treatments. And as long as the healthcare system is not overwhelmed, there's not all that much you can do about that. That's pretty much all. That's pretty much it. Okay, But on race, it's the same sort of stuff. So disproportionately, Black and Hispanic people are getting shot in New York City. Okay, it's getting real ugly over in New York City. New York City has seen mass shooting increases, obviously. New York City over the weekend saw a rise in shootings again. A one-year-old boy was murdered after a gunman fired on a gathering in a park, which is always a good look. I'm glad that Bill de Blasio reopened the parks in time for people to get shot there. That's exciting. A one-year-old boy was killed. At least 34 people were injured in more than two dozen shootings in New York City over the weekend, continuing a rise in violence that began earlier this summer, according to police officials. This is the Wall Street Journal reporting. The boy was shot in the stomach when gunmen opened fire on Sunday night on a gathering in a park in Brooklyn, according to New York Police Department officials. The child, DeVell Gardner, was taken to a local hospital 
where he was pronounced dead. Three other people were also shot in the incident, which took place around 11.30 p.m. in the Bedford Stuyvesant section of the borough, according to the officials. All three were expected to survive. New York City Bill de Blasio, mayor, called the incident so painful. He said, it's not something we can ever look away from. It's something we must address and stop. And it's just horrifying. So how is he addressing and stopping all of this? The shooting of, like, babies? Okay, one-year-old's a baby. The, the shooting of a baby in New York City, how exactly is he making all of that stop? Well, he's painting Black Lives Matter murals. And he says that we cannot allow, we cannot allow people to deface Black Lives Matter murals. It's very important that this painting on the street remain. This is the key. This is the key. There was paint that was splashed on the mural. Somebody splashed red paint over the Black Lives Matter mural. Okay, and then Bill de Blasio showed up and helped repaint it. Okay, so all of his DOT workers, he's got money for the DOT workers to repaint this thing. Okay, he, they, it's unbelievable. Here's what he tweeted out. To whoever vandalized our mural on Fifth Avenue, nice try, Department of Transportation has already fixed it. The Black Lives Matter movement is more than words and it can't be undone. Um, if by more than words you mean it is only words to you, it is literally only words. It is literally words on a street. That is all it is to you. You don't give a damn that a black kid just got shot at a park. You don't give a damn that shootings in your city have risen dramatically. It is literally only words. It is three words in yellow letters on a street. That's it. That is the entire thing for Bill de Blasio. He does not give two hot damns about the fact that every single person who has been shot in the city of New York in the last month has been a person of color. He does not care about that. He doesn't. Not one iota. What he cares about is the virtue signaling. How do you know? Because here are his priorities. Got to keep that paint down there. You splash red paint. We're on it. We got the funding for the DOT, but we're going to cut funding from the cops. And not only are we going to cut funding from the cops, the goals of defunding the police, it's the right move. The goal of defunding the police, that's the right move. So here's Bill de Blasio back to back. He says, one, you can't stop the Black Lives Matter movement because we have paint. Because we have paint. And then he says defunding is the right direction. Here he is, defunding the police, the right direction. We obviously took money out of the NYPD budget, put it into youth programs, put it into social services, put it into recreation centers for young people. Um, that's really the, the right direction. I'm glad we did that. But the fact that we're going to have to fight crime in many ways is also clear. We need the good work of the men and women of the NYPD in the streets of our city. We need communities to come forward, particularly through uh, civic leadership, clergy, cure violence movement, do all the things that they can do, and they can do things that police can't do. So bottom line is, people going to get shot in his city? He doesn't care. He's got the words. He's got paintings in the city. That's what he's got. Okay, the, this, this, this signaling bull, because that's what it is. It's just signaling bullshit. All that this is, is a way to avoid commonsensical realities. Like if you remove cops from the streets, more people die. That's it. I mean, honest to God, F this guy. I mean, it's just unbelievable. All these politicians are so focused on the important things in life. We got to have that painting on that street. Yeah, the, 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 the worst thing of all is going to be, I mean, the symbolism of New York City really is the Black Lives Matter painting on the street and a person getting shot on that street, right? I mean, if, if you had to create a political cartoon, that's what it would be. A person bleeding out on the street that says Black Lives Matter while Bill de Blasio stands there with a paintbrush. That is everything. That's what's going on right now. And that's what's happening nationwide. There are serious problems in this country, all of which are being elided. Not even the problem of police brutality is being handled. Nothing has been done. The Republicans introduced a bill and the Democrats killed it. They filibustered a discussion of the bill. 
No one cares about actual answers. All they care about is the virtue signaling. Another piece from the New York Times today, a slap in the face. New York town rejects Black Lives Matter painting. The debate over whether to allow the street art has exacerbated racial tensions in Catskill, where just over a fifth of the population is black. According to the New York Times, the street painting would stretch about three blocks from Village, from Village Pizza 2 to the stoplight at the southern end of Main Street, spelling out Black Lives Matter on the pavement. The proposal didn't seem like too much of an ask. In the weeks since George Floyd was killed by the police in Minneapolis, the phrase has been painted on streets from Washington, D.C. to Charlotte, North Carolina, and on Thursday, even in front of Trump Tower in Manhattan. But village leaders in Catskill balked, offering several counterproposals instead, including one that would have allowed the painting, but in the black area of town. I knew it was going to be a no, said Shirley Cross 31, a member of the Hudson-Catskill Housing Coalition, which proposed the painting. I feel like it's a slap in the face for black people. Okay, alternatively, those paintings don't do bleep. They don't do anything. The paintings mean nothing. Nothing. They are all symbolic nonsense. And if you want Black Lives to Matter, you know what you have to do? You actually have to pursue policies that make Black Lives Matter. Now, the father of that one-year-old was on TV yesterday. He said he didn't get a single call from Bill de Blasio. Not one. He hasn't received a call from the New York City government. But Bill de Blasio is out there with the paintbrush. And this is, it's absolute insanity. All that matters is the signaling. In the end, the signaling is the policy. This is why you see, for example, the U.S. Conference of Mayors now backing Democrats' plans for slavery reparations commissions, which will never come to fruition. On Monday, the U.S. Conference of Mayors published a letter in which they backed the idea of Democrats to create a reparations commission so the idea of slavery reparations to 41 million black Americans could be examined, according to Hank Berry in writing for the Daily Wire. The letter, signed on behalf of the mayors by Louisville Mayor Greg Fisher, the president of the organization, was addressed to Senator Cory Booker of New Jersey and Representative Sheila Jackson Lee of Texas, who had submitted bills in their respective houses to create a reparations committee. Problem solved, guys. A committee. And if you oppose this, it's because you're a racist. We're going to get to more of the virtue signaling over common sense in just one second. First, let's talk about your internet freedom. So the same snowflakes who want to control you know, all aspects of your life, they'd also love to be able to control the kind of material you see. One way you can avoid them controlling the kind of materials you want to read or watch, use ExpressVPN. Because the fact is, that masks and anonymizes your internet traffic. You can control your own access to your own data. The problem with big tech companies is not only do they censor what you read, they will track what you do online. They'll track what you're searching for, the videos you watch, everything you click. They use that data to serve you ads and can match your activity to your offline identity using your device's unique IP address. When I use ExpressVPN, these tech companies can't see my IP address at all. My identity is masked and anonymized by a secure VPN server. Plus, ExpressVPN also encrypts 100% of your data to protect you from hackers and internet bad guys. If that sounds complicated, it is not, I promise. ExpressVPN software takes one minute to set up on your computer or phone. You tap one button, you are now protected. So, why give these tech companies a free license to know everything about you and then turn around and sell off your information? Instead, check out expressvpn.com Ben. By visiting my special link, you get an extra three months of ExpressVPN service for free. Again, that's expressvpn.com slash Ben, expressvpn.com slash Ben to protect your data today, expressvpn.com slash Ben. Now, all of this is disconnected from reality. If you think that most Americans care deeply about paintings on sidewalks, if you think that this solves any problems in the United States, you're out of your mind. If you think that most Americans are worried about a slavery reparations commission, and I'm talking about like on the list of priorities for black Americans, do you think that Slavery Reparations Investigatory Commission is like in the top 100? I would go no. I would go no. But again, it's all about the signaling, which is why you are, and it's all about the generalized message, which is that America is bad and responsible for all your problems. Inculcating and reinforcing that message is the key. Actually doing the hard work of making lives better, that has nothing to do with anything. The only thing that matters 
is the signaling, the signaling above all. That's why, for example, you're seeing James Madison College at Michigan State University considering changing its name, according to John Brown over at dailywire.com. Administrators of a residential college named after James Madison, you know, the guy who framed the Constitution, announced their willingness to expunge the founding father's name from their institution. In a letter addressed last week to alumni, students, and friends of the college, interim dean Linda Rasciopi and assistant dean Jeff Judge expressed their desire to foster an environment where students can thrive as scholars and human beings. Adding, quote, as such, the college is taking steps to combat systemic racism and the perpetuation of whiteness and to probe how it can best support students of color, especially black students. So what exactly are they going to do? They intend to combat racism and advance an anti-racist agenda within our college, such as revising curricula and course material, recruiting more students of color, providing counselors for students of color dealing with racial trauma, and dipping into an endowment to annually host a visiting scholar in residence who will teach and engage in research on LGBTQ issues. Also, they're considering renaming the James Madison College, which is really important. I mean, this is just racism solved, guys. But again, it's not about solving racism. It's about the idea that America is thoroughly and entirely evil. And by the way, with each surrender in this particular culture war, that doesn't make the argument better for the other side. It's not like by conceding the other side. You know what? You're not a racist. We've decided you're right. You're right. You know, America is less racist today than it was yesterday because you removed James Madison from the name of your residential dormitory. Nobody is going to say that on the left. If you actually believe that, you're out of your mind. Nobody on the left is going to say, well, you know, because you painted Black Lives Matter on the street, that means that now you are exempt from everything further. There's this weird idea in the culture wars that if you surrender in the culture wars, that everybody leaves you alone after that, and it's nonsense. Do you think that the crusade to cleanse all of our public spaces of anything that could possibly be interpreted by white woke liberals as offensive to to minorities, which is really what's happening here, that this sort of stuff is, is going to, in the end, make America a more tolerant place? Is that what you think? For example, the Washington Redskins are officially announcing that the NFL team is going to retire the name and the logo. I hear the case. I do. I mean, like, no one would walk around today saying Redskin because, of course, it's offensive. But the idea that you have actually cleansed America of racism by getting rid of the name or that this is the final step is nonsense. There is no final step. Okay, the, immediately upon this happening, there is now a Washington Post editor, Karen Attia, who, by the way, has suggested that white people are bad. Right, that white women should be taken revenge upon. She had to delete that tweet. She's their global opinions editor, Karen Atia. And she did one week of reading about the Texas Rangers, like the, the group, the Texas Rangers. And then she says the Texas Rangers should rename themselves. She said, to know the full history of the Texas Rangers is to understand that the team's name is not so far off from being called the Texas Klansmen. Atia, who grew up in Dallas, said she was raised on myths about Texas Rangers as brave and wholesome guardians of the Texas frontier. What we didn't realize at the time was that the Rangers were a cruel racist force when it came to the non-whites who inhabited the beautiful, untamed Texas territory. The Texas Ranger Division is an agency within the Texas Department of Public Safety with lead criminal investigative responsibility. I mean, it's still a group that exists, obviously. Atia noted the first job of the Rangers, formed in 1835, was to clear the land of Indians for white settlers. And she said that was just the start. And then she talks about the bad history of the Texas Rangers, citing a book about the Rangers by Doug Swanson. She pointed out that she did, I'm not kidding, she said, I read for a week about this, and now I'm offended. So until, until now, no one was really offended because everybody was like, oh, you mean like the cops, the Texas Rangers? You mean like the group inside the Texas government, the Texas Rangers? Because I don't think anybody who roots for the Texas Rangers, like the Nolan Ryan Texas Rangers, was going, yeah, man, secret white supremacist signals. But now you're retroactively outraged by a thing you didn't know about until five seconds ago and that no one cared about until five seconds ago. 
Racism, has it been expunged? Has it been cleansed? So now she is calling for the Texas Rangers to go because Karen Atia did some reading, guys. She did some reading. And now that she's done reading, she is offended. Offended! And that means everything changes. This is, obviously, this does nothing to, to make lives better in the United States. Nothing. No life has been made better by any of this. I, I, I challenge you to find me the life that has been made better by the controversy over the Washington Redskins name. I challenge you to find me the life that has been made better by a giant mural that says Black Lives Matter in front of Trump Tower while people are being shot at twice the normal rate in New York City. Please, find me the person whose life was made materially better by this. Find me the person whose life was made materially better by the sort of idiotic training that companies are now forcing employees to go through where you are told to examine your own whiteness and to look at all of your black colleagues with a sort of awkward level of disconnect as Robin DiAngelo basically suggests in White Fragility. Right? Is that going to make the workplace more integrated or less integrated? When you look at, at your black coworker and you think to yourself, does that, person, does that person fear me? The answer is, no, the person doesn't fear you. They're your coworker. But according to the left, they do fear you because of your inherent whiteness and because of the whiteness of the system. In order for you to be an ally, you actually have to be more at a remove from your black colleagues. In order for you to be an ally to the anti-racism movement, you have to see yourself as a, as a malicious actor in a racial drama that predates your existence and you have never participated in. And if you don't do that, then you're not an ally. It's all about the signaling. It's all about, and the signaling in the end is about Americans broadly speaking, white Americans broadly speaking, but mostly about America generally. The systems of America have to be torn out by the root. Now, again, the virtue signaling doesn't extend everywhere. So the NBA is a virtue signaling culture. The NBA's virtue signaling only extends to one particular area right, in, in terms of race. The NBA will never extend its virtue signaling to, for example, challenging Chinese domination of Hong Kong. There's a story out of the Washington Free Beacon that we're going to get to in a second, which demonstrates the complete hypocrisy of the social justice warrior NBA in just one second. First, when you are running a business, as you know, HR issues can absolutely murder you. HR issues are some of the toughest issues you got to deal with. You got to staff up. You got to have a whole HR department just to deal with all of the regulations and requirements and wrongful termination suits and all the rest of this kind of stuff. Well, do you really want to pay an entire HR department or do you actually just want to go out and get Bambi? An HR manager salary, it's not cheap. It can be up to 70,000 bucks a year. Bambi, spelled B-A-M-B-E-E, was created specifically for small business. You get a dedicated HR manager, you craft HR policy, and you maintain your compliance all for just 99 bucks a month. With Bambi, you can change HR from your biggest liability to your biggest strength. Your dedicated HR manager is available by phone, email, or real-time chat. From onboarding to terminations, they customize your policies to fit your business and help you manage your employees day-to-day, all for just 99 bucks a month. Month-to-month, there are no hidden fees. You can cancel any time. You didn't start your business because you were desperate to do HR. So why don't you just get it handled and not spend a fortune doing it? Head on over to Bambi.com slash Shapiro right now to schedule your free HR audit. That is Bambi.com slash Shapiro, B-A-M-B-E-E.com slash Shapiro. Bam to the B-E-E.com slash Shapiro. Go check them out right now and get your HR issues off the table. Okay, we're going to get to more of this in just a moment. First, reminder, my new book, How to Destroy America in Three Easy Steps, goes on sale Tuesday, one week from today, July 21st, 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. We will be doing a virtual live signing event on the day of release. With your purchase of a signed copy, you can write in a question, and I may read it on air, and I may discuss it with you. Order your pre-signed copy right now or pre-order your signed copy right in your question at dailywire.com slash Ben. The book is, it could not be more important. What we are watching right now is the book as prophecy, basically. I say that if you destroy America's history, culture, and philosophy, 
then the country will fall apart. And we are seeing attacks on all three prongs. The book isn't just a description of the problem. It is the solution. The book itself is part of the solution. You can give it to all your friends. You can remind them why America was always great, why America's flaws do not do not destroy the idea that America is a great nation built on fundamentally good principles that is responsible for the freedom and prosperity of billions of human beings around the world. It is the antidote to the nonsense you see in the mainstream media every single day. Go check it out right now. How to Destroy America in three easy steps. You can pick it up either at Amazon, like pre-order, or you can head on over to dailywire.com slash Ben if you want the special signed copy. Also, if you are not already a Daily Wire member, you should consider getting a reader's pass to dailywire.com. It's a great value for only three bucks a month. When you sign up, you get that first month for only 99 cents. You also get access to our mobile app, Articles Ad-Free, and access to exclusive editorials like this one from one of our contributors, how politicization, anxiety, and misdirection are still driving the pandemic narrative. If you haven't checked out our Reader's Pass, head on over to dailywire.com and sign up for just $1. Go check them out right now. Dailywire.com, sign up for just a buck. You're listening to the largest, fastest-growing conservative podcast and radio show in the nation. Now, the nice thing about making all of American politics about the signaling as opposed to the actual policy is it means that if you signal the wrong way, we can oust you before we even get to policy. See, if you can, if you can go after people based on their thought crime before you even have to have the debate about policy, it makes the debate about policy moot. Right? You just get rid of all the people who are not super hot on the idea that giant virtue signaling paintings on the street that say Black Lives Matter, thus implying that a huge percentage of Americans believe that Black Lives do not matter. Right? If you can get people to quote-unquote out themselves as racist, for opposing random signal of the day, then that means you never have to have a policy discussion about the actual awkward stuff in American public life. Like, why are so many people shooting each other in New York City? Like, why are so many people shooting each other in Washington, D.C.? Why are there disproportionate poverty rates? And why are there disproportionate education rates? And what does that have to do with history? How much of that is history? And how much of that is current day decision making? Right? All of the awkward conversations can be completely elided if you can cast out of the Overton window, if you can wish into the cornfield all the people who refuse to go along with the virtue signaling. Remember, what virtue signaling is really about is raising a flag. You raise the flag, people rally around the flag. If they refuse to rally around your flag, they are out of the tent. They cannot be inside your war camp. You cannot have any sort of conversation with them inside the tent. That is the goal here. So much of politics is about rallying around a particular slogan or message or flag. And if you make it so that everyone who refuses to rally around a particular slogan, message, or flag is cast out of the tent. You've just made your job a lot easier. Because here's the thing. Let's say that I, Ben Shapiro, am not in favor of painting a giant mural that says Black Lives Matter in front of my house. Because, hey, it's public street. We all own it. And I believe that Black Lives Matter just as everyone else's life matters. And by the way, when I say that, that not only is that not racist, most Americans agree with it. Okay, there's a poll from Economist YouGov. You want to talk about the disconnect from our political media and the American public? There's a poll from Economist YouGov, and it asks, among different racial groups, how many people believe that the slogan, all lives matter, is bad? Because remember, this is the going wisdom on the left, is that if you say, if somebody says to you, black lives matter, you are not allowed to say either all black lives matter, which apparently is bad, right? Don Lemon told me on CNN, it's bad. If I say all black lives matter, then I'm discussing the problems of murder in, in black communities. I'm discussing the problems of poverty and inequality and education and all of the, and single motherhood and all those. And he's saying, we, we can't say that. Black Lives Matter doesn't mean all Black Lives Matter. It just means the cops are bad, right? Black Lives Matter equals defund the police in essence, right? So we're not allowed to say that. But the, the thing you're really not allowed to say is all lives matter. If somebody says to you, Black Lives Matter, what you're not allowed to do is say all lives matter. And if you say all lives matter, it's because you're bad. Now, most Americans in, 
instinctively are like, what the hell are you talking about? All includes the category black. When I say black lives matter, and I say all lives matter, black is just a subset of all. So of course, when I say all lives matter, I mean, yes, including black people, clearly. But the media have decided that that detracts from the message that black lives matter. Why? Because the black lives matter message is an implicit rebuke of the United States because the implicit rebuke is that out there somewhere, there are a bunch of people who deny that black lives matter. And when you say all lives matter, what you're really saying is that most Americans agree that all lives matter. Right? That's really what you're saying. Okay, so how do Americans feel about the slogan, all lives matter? This is a poll, June, 9th to, June 7th to June 9th, 2020, The Economist YouGov, 1,500 U.S. adults. Does the following slogan carry a positive or a negative association to you? All lives matter. And we're going to do this by race. Okay, by race, okay, to, in total, 56% of Americans say that they have positive associations with the phrase all lives matter. 17% say they are neutral. So that means that 73% of Americans, 73% of Americans are positive or neutral on the phrase all lives matter. But how about among black Americans? Aren't black Americans deeply offended by the phrase all lives matter? The Economist YouGov poll says 45% of black Americans say that they have positive feelings about the slogan Black Lives Matter. 21% say they are neutral on it. So 66%, two-thirds of black Americans say that the phrase all lives matter is not offensive or they like it. According to the media, that's bad. So are, are these black people racists? Are these black people outside the Overton window, outside the tent? By the way, among Hispanic people, 58% have positive associations. The same number among whites. In fact, whites and Hispanics have very similar numbers, which gives the lie to the quote-unquote people of color all think the same way nonsense, right? Blacks and Hispanics actually think very differently about this. Whites and Hispanics think kind of the same. Hispanics, 58% say they have positive associations with All Lives Matter. 16% say they have neutral associations with All Lives Matter. So 74% of Hispanics compared to 66% of blacks compared to 60, 60. 5%, sorry, 75% of whites say that they have positive associations with All Lives Matter. Now, you wouldn't know that from the media coverage, would you? You wouldn't know that because according to the media coverage, this is a signal, right? The signal is all that matters. If you say All Lives Matter to Black Lives Matter, you're a racist. That's the signal. And we don't have to have a conversation with you. Never mind that most Americans of every single racial group have positive associations with the phrase All Lives Matter. So how far does the virtue signaling go? Only as far as the left says it does. So the NBA has been virtue signaling about all of these racial topics, obviously, particularly on, on the police. And they've decided they're going to allow people to wear social justice messages on the back of their jerseys. Now, the, the first person who puts on the back of their jersey, tariffs are bad public policy and foster political dysfunction along the way. On the back of their jersey, I will, I will personally give $1,000. Any, any player who puts that on the back of their jersey, I, I, will, I will crowdfund half a million dollars for any player who puts free Hong Kong on the back of their jersey. Oh, wait, you can't. You can't. The NBA won't allow you. According to the Washington Free Beacon, in keeping with the league policy on political statements, the official online store of the NBA does not permit fans to order a custom jersey with the phrase Free Hong Kong printed on the back. Free Hong Kong is one of the many phrases banned under the NBA's New Jersey policy. So you can put up Black Lives Matter, but you can't do Free Hong Kong. If you type Free Hong Kong into the text box, they say we are unable to customize this item with the text you have entered. Please try a different entry. Here are some of the phrases that you're allowed to put into the NBA phrase generator. F Hong Kong, you could do. You could do defund police. You could do abolish cops. You could do beware of Jews. You could do ban gypsies. You could do G for life. You could do 9-11 hoax. You could do end Taiwan. You could do Trump has AIDS, Pence is gay, and Uyghurs lie. 
All of those you could put on the jerseys. Uh, as the Washington Free Beacon points out, a number of NBA players, including LeBron James, have rallied around ESPN reporter Adrian Wojnarowski, who was recently suspended after writing FU in response to a press release from Josh Howley pointing out the warmth between the NBA and the government of China. So a lot of virtue signaling with no virtue uh, over, in the, over in the NBA. Always good news. Okay, so we have two more hours of additional content a little bit later. You know, one thing that I've neglected to do for several weeks because of all of the news and the riots and everything else are things I like. So I want to recommend a book that is worthy of reading. It is a book by John McWhorter, who is a, a linguistics professor. It's a book from back in 2001 and has lost none of its punch. It's called Losing the Race, Self-Sabotage in Black America. And he talks about the, the real, many of the actual real problems inside the black community that don't involve painting giant slogans on street corners to make white woke people feel better about themselves. It's, it's really worthy of the read. He's an associate professor of linguistics at, at UC Berkeley. He's the author of several books. And this book is, is certainly worth the reading. Go check it out right now. Losing the Race, Self-Sabotage in Black America by John McWhorter. Again, when we talk about real problems, we should talk about real solutions. McWhorter talks about some of them. And I think a deep and nuanced way. If you're a liberal, you'll find it non-offensive to you. Let's put it that way. You can go check it out today. All righty, we'll be back here later today, two additional hours of content. Otherwise, we'll see you here tomorrow as we approach the launch of my brand new book, How to Destroy America in Three Easy Steps, that big day happening next week. So go pre-order the book right now over at dailywire.com. When you do, you can get a pre-sign, you can get a signed copy. You can pre-order it right now. Go check that out. Or you can go over to Amazon, pick up a copy. Otherwise, we'll see you here a little bit later. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Andrew Clavin Show, The Michael Knowles Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. Thanks for listening. The Ben Shapiro Show is produced by Colton Haas, executive producer Jeremy Boring, supervising producer Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling, assistant director Pavel Wydowski, Technical producer, Austin Stevens. Playback and media operated by Nick Sheehan. Associate producer, Katie Swinnerton. Edited by Adam Saievitz. Audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is by Nika Geneva. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2020. Hey everyone, I'm Andrew Claven, host of The Andrew Claven Show. The fight for America has now come to each of our doorsteps. The left not only wants to silence us, they want us to pretend we're not being silenced. Time for each of us, all of us, to fight back. We'll talk about it on The Andrew Claven Show. I'm Andrew Claven. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, Pure Talk believes in American values and that free should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So, I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving.